welcome everybody to another special edition of the Pod Series. Finished up Tiger King, and we've now decided that, of course, with everyone, has been captivated by watching the Last Dance series here on uh, ESPN. These last couple Sundays, we've been an appointment television um, about a team that. Uh, Know pretty well on the Chicago Bulls, and uh, we're gonna try to break down kind of the first, just our general thoughts on the the pot of the whole series so far. What we thought of the documentary, how they've structured it, um, and just kind of go through our some of our big takeaways of some stuff. Um, you know, some of it I think a lot of people have known already, and and some stuff people are learning about. You know the '90s Bulls for the first time, and of of course we have uh, in the 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 trip down memory lane studios here, uh, Mr. Ultra Jacobs. What's going on, Ultra? Oh, hey, Peach. I was uh, I thought for a second that you were going to break out the hello, all you cool cats and kittens, but I'm glad. No, that, it's, it's I'm glad uh, that we we held back from that. We're we're back to basketball. I I really wish that. You were kicking us off saying that games are resuming and we knew what was happening, but alas, we don't have news there. But I mean, I'm watching more. There's, I'm watching Game Five of the uh, Bulls sem- Eastern Conference Semifinals against the Charlotte Hornets. So I mean, something. <laughs> Very exciting stuff. Uh, yeah. But it has been. There's just so much news coming out of Chicago. We got, we got the Last Dance, but I gotta got ask a black you. GM. I, How about hey, that? we got we got new <laughs> GM. Uh, but on top of all that, very sad news. Your your favorite quarterback, maybe of all time, but definitely the your favorite Bears quarterback of all time, is unfortunately going to be going through divorce. Oh. So uh, our you know, very sad news about Jay this week. Should, I just wanted uh, to apologize yeah. for that off the top. As as this being my first public uh, recording since the the Cavalry news, and as the head of the very Cavalry segments here on the Point Forward, yes, um, we too are asking for everyone to respect our privacy at this tough time. Um, you know, being a child from of divorce, this was a pretty easy. <laughs> news to take as far as you know the steps you know we've been down this road before um yeah but i'm gonna go hang out hang out with with jay it'll be cool um there's some uh instagram yeah and jay cutler is the greatest bears quarterback of all time both statistically and just plain fact because the bears haven't had any other quarterbacks um but yeah there's been some push to have jay cutler be on the bachelor already in some chicago circles oh that'd be um, fun i'm i'm very for that i do not know if the bachelor is really pulling from the pool of um strong-willed not to not to you know this is 2020 got everyone like you know feminism strong you know women women equality all that but um i don't think the bachelor nation is really pulling from the kind of um stock of women that are uh, both mentally um strong enough and also um have the uh, desire or dedication it would take to really crack the shell that is jay color i mean I, I think kristen cavalieri you know she's a different breed of reality tv star than the folks that are uh, going to be on the bachelor or bachelorette yeah, it was very shocking to see it. Super um, shocking. I so many jokes about, um, you know, them being stuck in the Bahamas and <laughs> must yeah. If, if if the quarantine was ultimately the cause of all of this, I I don't know. I it personally, I personally, I saw the news that it was happening, but I have not dug into it any further. Um, but excited to see. Excited to hear what some of the, more of the details from it. I don't know if you're going to hear much. I think it. I think it's. Uh, seems like a pretty amicable decision, and at least on the surface. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, it was quite shocking as someone yeah monitors the situation closely. I will say from a simply a, a TV v- viewership standpoint, um, I wonder if, if Jay is going to be taking on a, a similar role as uh, Scott and keeping up with the Kardashians and still be involved with the show. Um, because otherwise, if there's no Jay Cutler, I'm sorry, but my very cavalier viewership days have been uh, are, are numbered, are done. Going to go hang out with gonna go over to jay's house and hang out instead of uh um watching any more of the show um which i you know quality wise up and down i'd say season two real bad season three has had its moments um nothing as good as season one even though they did provide us with more jay in the definitely season three we get a good amount of jay which um ultimately maybe that's part of what undid the the, the relationship. I mean, if those two crazy kids can't make it, who can in this world ultra? Seriously, dude. Um, but yeah, you know what? Speaking of other things breaking up, uh, the nineties bulls, uh, and the center of this, uh, documentary series is the last season of the Chicago bulls dynasty and how kind of fate accompli it was that this team was, uh, this was going to be the last season they were all together, um, and we're going to be split up, and, and Phil was, Jackson was no longer going to be the coach after this season, and questions of Michael Jordan will return, and Scottie Pippen's uh, fate with the team, etc. Um, so the documentary sort of centers around that season, but really it is more or less a entire look at the Bulls' dynasty um of the entire Jordan era. So I think it's uh, at least, you know, first thing I will say about it, um, just from like some of the footage and everything, it's, it's it is kind of bizarre because um, some of it is, yeah, obviously stuff. I mean, everyone's seeing for the first time, but just kind of through the lens of some of the names and people that are shown in a lot of this. I mean, just are, you know, Chicago media people who, um, my entire life growing up like seeing them all and like younger versions of themselves and being like wow they've really been covering sports in this town for that long um you know that's some i guess maybe more like local focused stuff that just like immediately it jumped out to me um but like what have you thought about it overall ultra like have you enjoyed it? are there parts you like more um i mean i've got a couple additional little features of it that i'm enjoying but i want to hear what you've what stuck out to you i guess first about this this documentary series so i'll give a little i will answer your question i'm also going to just give a little bit of background when it comes to michael jordan and my nba fandom and and kind of how obviously you and i huge fans and i think that i became much more of a fan and followed the NBA so much more closely after becoming really good friends with you and some other friends of ours in college always followed the NBA growing up. But when I was much younger, my dad is a, the only, all of his favorite sports teams when it comes to professional sports, cause we grew up in Iowa, um, were Chicago sports and he in general cares less about the nba than pretty much every other major sport he's a huge football guy he's a huge baseball guy but basketball especially and more Mm -hmm. recently just doesn't it's not as much his thing growing up the bulls and michael jordan he he did love them like I have vivid memories of him reading the like Dennis Rodman books, books written on my MJ, books written on the '90s Bulls. Yeah, and I just have those memories like ingrained in my head. I grew up with a cardboard cutout of Michael Jordan that I kept in my first apartment after college. <laughs> that I still have. Yep. That Shout I still have. That. I still have uh, tucked away somewhere. So I, I've I've always had a ton of respect for MJ and still view him as the greatest, play, greatest player of all time. 
And I, I don't I think it'll be interesting to see out of all like the whole LeBron MJ comparison and all of this is gonna is gonna become especially once it's done, I think it's gonna really come out that it's like recency bias is gonna come out and it's like, well, MJ clearly was the greatest player of all time and like I don't know. I'm I don't have an effective way of comparing these types of guys. All I can say is that watching the first two the first two weeks, the first four episodes of this documentary, watching him in play is just fun. Like the documentary yeah. obviously the, the, the times that we're in, having two hours a week to just watch this really fun story and watch this guy that is a maniac but honestly has this way that he plays that is unlike anyone else that I've seen and Kobe was the closest to emulate it but still have never seen anyone I've never seen anyone like (laughs) the highlights that they show where he's he it looks like he's levitating and just like that's the number one thing that stuck out to me four episodes in is that it's just like it really doesn't seem like his airness. He moves the same way as everyone else, and um, it's something that I forgot. And it's just, it's just been really fun. And I know I've, I'm rambling a little bit. Nah, the other, you're... the other, the other note that I would throw in there is that first first NBA game I ever went to was a Bulls game, and so one of the coolest same. things was the first. I, <laughs> I figured that that was the case with you um my dad took me to a bulls nets game and this was i couldn't tell you a single player that started for the for the bulls this was when i was pretty pretty young but i know the nets this was in the jason kidd vince carter richard jefferson jefferson days so they were pretty good and um bulls won but do you remember what year i could look it up i could find it um the jay williams year possibly but uh the point that I, I was getting to is that the feeling, like the pregame intro for the Bulls, is really unlike anything else. And mm-hmm. when they use that in the first episode, um, I honestly got chills. And it was just, it's been really fun so far. I'm excited to talk more about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess like for me, like the one experience with this is really just like a re i mean yeah it's kind of with the quarantine too i mean like i i think i've said it but like they've been just on all i got like they've just been replaying 90s bulls games like even before the document the espn announces move up like that just like they like went to all this stuff so even watching some of this like those games that i hadn't seen um you know memories of it's like but I mean, yeah, this documentary, I guess, in terms of like personal experience with the, I mean, it's like this, the nineties bull, I mean, this is like the central origin story of like, basketball is my favorite sport. Like why I love the NBA. I mean, it's like all, um, wrapped up in that of like growing up at the tail end of it. Um, whereas like, yeah, I mean, it was on the background, like just like. I think, you know, something you brought up is, you know, the, you know, your dad being a fan of MJ and the Bulls, but like not really be a basketball fan. I think like whether that's you look at the time in sports where it was and just like everything about Michael Jordan is like was the perfect player given the time in the league, given the time in sport, professional sports and like the rise of professional sports and like the marketing aspect of it. I mean, like Michael Jordan is going to be the greatest player of all time. Just you know, whether you you can get into the basketball aspect of it, just as like a cultural athlete, um, I do think like what Wilbon said is like you know the beginning of this thing. It's like Muhammad Ali, Babe Ruth. You know, I'd probably put Tiger Woods in there and Michael Jordan are like the kind of four. I just like these iconic figures that were like extended beyond like you know tiger did the same thing with golf as though mj did with basketball um in a lot of ways where it's like you have and it's like even true with you know in chicago um i mean once the bull once mj left i mean there's a lot of like my family included i do not consider a lot of my family basketball fans but they all you know, growing up, we always had the, you know, all the Bulls games were on. It was like appointment television in Chicago. Like people would have 
should have like watch parties for every game in the city and i'm sure you know beyond that but like in the city it was like every single game was a event in and of itself in some way or another like you would plan your evenings around bulls games um but like since then you know if i try to put a christmas game on in christmas like now we want to watch you know christmas story reruns for the third time like it's it's i so i think when you said that about the goat part i mean it's like it's going to be in that way because like there's there is no comparison of like lebron really hasn't brought people in the same way into basketball the way that the Jordan and these Bulls did. Um, and whether that's, I don't think that's necessarily a reflection on LeBron or even Kobe, you know, before him. Like, I think it's just that it was a perfect storm type thing, right? Um, yeah, I, I just think that where the league was at, it was just there were always these two or three guys that really stood out from everyone. And you can make the argument that it's like that today, but I, I don't agree with that. I think that today the level of talent is just just a lot higher. Um, and I and I that probably people would disagree with that. Um, but in general, like they talk about Bird and Magic a lot in this and that those were the two guys that he was really compared to in the early stages of his career. And yeah. there's just I mean, more... Well, I mean, the tier is it's like Stern takes over and they use the bird and magic as the blueprint to like prompt those up, and it's just like you know, boss. You know, you got an East Coast West Coast guy, um, but really like the foundation those two set. Like it's just even that timing wise is like the fact that Jordan comes along after that and is able to ascend while they're kind of descending in their careers. And just take that entire league and mantle up by himself and like elevate it even beyond what those two guys were doing. Um, like, you couldn't script that. Like, it's just like it, that's like just, I think, a lot of luck for the league and why it was so successful. Right. No, and I, I agree with that. Um, I just don't, I don't know, man. It's just, they it it just seemed like i don't know what lebron could possibly do to replicate what mj did like i even well, like unlo- unless yeah. he had the the history of in the finals that mj ended up having um e- even com- even even with even if he was to do that i don't think that all of a sudden you have people today that are tuning in and becoming huge fans of basketball. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think it was so much bigger than that. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot. I, mean, I know Bomani on his like podcast before this one, I even said like, you know, one thing is just that like, he talks a lot about market, but it's like, you know, everything Mike did was like, Michael Jordan did was cool. Um, like everything you wore, granted, we, ragging him for like his baggy clothes and oh but now but at the time it was like everything you put on him everything he said way he moved on that all that just was like cool and everyone wanted to be like him you know as the song indicates i mean it was true um but like i will say like the argument if like you swap things you know places and it's LeBron comes into the if you know LeBron is before Jordan, um, you know, and kind of enters the league in the same trajectory point as Michael Jordan did. LeBron could have been that guy, and then it's you know Michael Jordan is being compared to LeBron James. I just about like I it's like I think that's like a thing LeBron could never overcome no matter what he does. It's just like. He wasn't the first, and he's being compared to, and everyone will, you know, for the rest of the time, be compared to the Michael Jordan aspect of it. But um, like the just the killer component and like hyper competitiveness of him too, and just you know that standpoint, yeah, it's it's not repeatable um, in any which way. So I, I mean, it's like if you do it, you you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you are, you're like, oh, he's trying to be like Michael Jordan. He's not. You know, that's just your. You're not gonna win that battle no matter what. 
in any you know speculative eyes. So I know that we want to focus today on primarily the episodes that came out a couple of days ago. We're recording yeah. on Tuesday the 28th, but quick hits from the first two episodes. The A couple things that really stood out to me, um, and it, 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 it really is worth a revisit to his basketball reference page just to see kind of what his career looked like, but, you know, he, his career, MJ's career, he's 36 and 5. He's the best, most efficient mid range scorer of all time. Uh, and I, I'm not throwing numbers out to support that. It's just, it is, there's no doubt in my mind that that is true. Um, <laughs> he never shot above 23, 23.7% was the best three point, um, or excuse me, the, his best three-point field goal percentage was 38% yeah. when he was shooting higher volumes, um, and that was one year pretty early in his career. Um, yet he he averaged 30-plus over the course of his career, and when he in his prime, he was averaging 30, 37, 35, 32 and a half, 34. I mean, he's, he's just unbelievable. And... Um, yeah, his, I, I think if Michael Jordan had to shoot threes, like if he was playing, like he would have. I don't think like I think he would have figured it out. He would have. He would have. No made doubt it in my mind. Yeah, no doubt in my mind. But the fact that he came in year one and averaged twenty eight six and six, uh, and year two, God knows <laughs> what he would have put up man. if he would have gotten hurt. But it's just I know the minutes are up. You know they he averaged. <laughs> He was playing 39, 40 minutes a night over the, the entirety of his career, which is insane to look back at now. Um, even in his age 39 season with the Wizards, he averaged 37 minutes a game. <laughs> which, yeah, he was scoring 20. He was averaging 20. You know, 20, 20, 20 yeah, yeah, 20 a game as a 40-year-old man. Yeah, no, I mean, it's – no, man, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all crazy. I mean, no, he's – yeah, like just by saying it, it's it, there's 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 reason behind all of the the goats. I mean, it's it is what it's just it is, and it's just all facts. And you know, keep it moving. I guess. Like, I mean, I don't. Yeah, really... I, I I don't have a ton of commentary around it. It's just the one thing that stood out to me is like, wow. Uh, the second that he stepped in the league, I mean, they talk about it in episode one, but he was kind of the guy as soon as he put, started playing and he turned that franchise around which is really cool um yeah the scotty and- pippen thing has been talked at nauseam about um the extension that he signed ended up amounting to be 18 million over seven years which is batshit insanity for him to sign something like that um mm. still still worth mentioning here as like it's crazy to me that that's a dude that over the course of for the first seven of his career years of his career with the Bulls, his average per year take home pay was less than three million dollars, um, and he's the the Robin to MJ's Batman. Um, yeah, I mean, I will say like in context of, I mean, yeah, and then the day though, like, dude signed it, like it's on him in one way or another. I mean. His and his like fear of being heard, and that and that ultimately came to be true um, for him. You know, on the back end of, I mean, like kind of like he wasn't wrong, you know, about that fear, and like so knowing his body, sort of, you know, probably feeling it breaking down and, and projecting out. Um, but like also at the same point, like so Ryan Sorf in general, like he's run his teams like he still does like the white Sox and like as an example he's they're notoriously at this point like they're offering guys deals kind of before their breakout or you know just right before um you know they're called up is kind of to avoid arbitration years and like the proposition is like yeah you're gonna sign this deal it's probably gonna you know play out through a majority of your um you know, prime years, but like this is all guaranteed money for you. Um, and depending on guys' situations, like guaranteed is the only word you need to put next to a bunch of zeros. Um, and that makes sense. I, uh, 
definitely think he could have gotten more. And it, it was wild to hear like Jerry Ryan starts basically saying, "Hey, you know, I wouldn't sign this over to you." But like Michael Jordan's contract, um, prior to him doing like, the one year, you know, thirty six million ones, like he was underpaid. You know, he was only making like eight million dollars at one point. You know, with the team. Um, and that was like his highest seasons under his contract. Um, it just was like, that's, it just wasn't how contracts were done. Um, you know, they're just right on the edge of it. Um, that's like, I and like, I was even looking at a guy, so it was but like Sam Perkins was an example of someone I looked up kind of as this was going on. Um, you know, Sam Perkins career and he was like $33 million over his entire career. He, Drafted a year before Jordan went to, you know, not, you know, more or less a role-ish player. But he played, you know, on the Lakers, on the Supersonics, um, you know, two teams that are very prevalent in the 90s. He's making like $3 million. You know, he's making what Sky Pippen was making, um, you know, and just like never got paid. And I will say with Pippen too, like back in his career, you know, Bulls basically re-signed him, come back for a two, gave him a two-year, ten million dollar contract, even though I knew he was pretty much done. To kind of, I, I think, in Ryan Sorus one act to like make things right based on how things had sat before and some of Scotty's, you know, financial problems that you know other bad luck with him, just in that standpoint. But um, he's always been, yeah, money and Pippin is always a sensitive thing. And it's it's obviously comes from that, but it's he's definitely someone. Just I guess from my understand, you know, knowing of him, it's like either you heard about the no tipping Pippin comments, um, you know, when I just hearing those comments be made about him, or just like yeah, his money issues and, and stuff around that. It's like that. I will say of this documentary, like it was when I was like, oh, I can see. You know, whether it's from his background or that contract, it was like, ah, oh, I mean, I get some of this now. This just gives me context for some of it more than anything. Well, and the other thing to keep in mind in all of this is that uh, he did make almost $80 million the five seasons after he left the Chicago right. Bulls. So at the end of the day, he his his career earnings were well over $100 million. So Scotty's doing okay. Well, uh, yeah, and the league didn't have a under the, underpaid at that time, and the the you know the salary cap was a much different. They didn't have a salary cap, so that's like the one that's the argument with the Ryan sort of thing is like, at a midway point of that contract, could he have tore it up and said, "All right, listen, Scotty, I'll perform this. Here's you know, <clears throat> here's the uh, we're gonna make this right. Here's a new deal, and you know, do right by the player." He didn't have to do, he didn't, you know, there's no reason he had to, but as far as like just, you know, treating your, one of your best players, you know, right, you know, he could have done that for sure. Right. But yeah, I mean, the, the first couple episodes were a great set of, to the scene. It kind of shows you how the documentary is going to be flipping back between, all right, the steady progression of MJ's career versus... Mm-hmm how the last dance got really stood up to the way it was. And episodes three and four are very much so centered around Dennis Rodman. And I'm not mad about it. <laughs> it was yeah. Fun. Yeah. I think the two, the two things like so far with a lot of this documentary has been like, a, I think the music choices in it have been incredible. Um, just like for some of the highlight stuff they put together and the music they've overlaid it with. Um, especially like the third song, putting that Prince uh, song in there. Oh, with like so good. Yeah, MJ's right was sick. Um, but I think too, like for me, like the kind of early episodes, the two, the other thing that really stood, it was just like when they did show some of like him them traveling internet, just like the amount of people that crowds of people that just like to see him and stuff. I mean. It just like even though you've seen it before it's every time i see that kind of stuff i'm like holy cow like it's just even where sports is at now like i just don't i can't imagine a single athlete drawing that attention um 
but you know when we were looking to at, at the framework of like how it's going back and forth sort of assumed they would do that and like yeah the first two episodes very introductory of, of Pippin and Jordan and just like the early parts of, of their upbringing and they do a kind of condensed version of that with Rodman in the third episode um, but like I just like imagine the shit of like Rodman in like people talk about Jordan but like Rodman during like Twitter and TMZ all of that like just he would every would be every day with him if that was the case I mean it was almost every day with him in the 90s but like in the day I was like holy crap like imagine if Dennis Rodman had gone on vacation in like today's Twitter like NBA Twitter oh dude I like how today's media Twitter, social media driven world would react to his, I mean, his on the court stuff, his off the court stuff, all of it would be just out of this world. I, I mean, I, I wish that, I mean, we're not even, we haven't even gotten to like, I mean, the he was somewhat of a, he was a coxman. Like we haven't even gotten to that. Like the, what, what, he, what all he did I would, off the court was, I was outrageous and i was it, when i was watching and speaking of that i was like realizing like probably our like age group is probably on the f- kind of end aspect of like the carmen electra appreciation group of like <laughs> just like i was like watching that i was like yeah i don't like even guys like we went to college with and stuff that were like younger than us like i don't really remember like carmen electra's name you know like being brought up but i was like yeah i definitely remember in like middle school you know everything like carmel electra was a big deal oh yeah that is someone as <laughs> that is someone you recognize <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I mean no question and madonna probably a little early for us but you i mean everyone still knows who madonna is and yeah. she is one of the biggest pop stars ever um and they definitely don't bring any attention to the fact that she threw Dennis Rodman or she offered Dennis Rodman some money to leave Vegas, come to her to (laughs) uh, conceive a child. Um, Mm -hmm. Really wish that would have made it into the documentary, but um, alas, that, that, that was not, and that's too bad, but Everything when it when, when it came to Dennis, um, they most of the time I think this is pretty dumb when um, whether it be CBS or Fox or ESPN or whatever where they have little trivia trivia kind of um, staggered throughout a broadcast of a live game or for in this case staggered throughout a documentary, but they had this this question of like you know Dennis Rodman had 20 games in his career where he had 20 plus rebounds and zero points and the next closest person had like seven and I don't even remember who that was off the top of my head right now and it's like that is just it's his personality and how he acted off the court just matched so perfectly with what he did on the court and um the fact that he did this in their last season is insane, but also you can believe it. And I just, I really want to know if it's true that MJ was the guy that had to pull him back. I don't know if that's actually true or not. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, like he went and like got him from Vague. But like, Carmel Electra was on Sarah Spain's podcast. And I get like after it was like they like released the interview, she had said like, Seeing that, you know, about MJ getting him out of Vegas and then sort of like, I didn't, you know, wouldn't describe what happened in the room. Um, he was like, I guess Carmen Watcher was like, well, I was at Dennis's house and he had missed practice and that had happened. <laughs> but like she hid behind the couch, but like, you know, she's like, she wasn't there in his Vegas room when like MJ knocked and stuff like that. 
so that's like kind of funny and she's like so i don't know who that was but like you know it wasn't it wasn't me sort of a thing even though they were together you know but um that was kind of funny but yeah no he 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 definitely did that (laughs) well uh i guess it i guess it makes sense it's just insane to me that uh especially because it, it they go into this but phil and dennis's relationship was really good and the fact that dennis would have the guts to even ask for this i guess you know doesn't take a lot of convincing to to believe that that would be true but then to essentially agree to a two-day vacation and then be like i don't remember what day it was that mj ended up showing up but it was like five six seven days later (laughs) uh that's kind of crazy you'd think that um dennis would uh would know because he it's just like he's just the classic work hard play hard guy yeah (laughs) like he takes that he takes that to the nth degree I did really think it was interesting and like what I did like the sort of one part of this is where they did do sort of the Phil Dennis comparison even of like they're talking about Phil and like you know his style of play and like his era of the NBA was he was sort of like the Dennis Rodman you know just even like hinting at it even though I don't know like I think it's 100% true but just like kind of both being oddballs in their era of the NBA not fitting in with everyone else. Um, and where you kind of see that, it was like where the Bulls bring on uh, Phil, uh, finally, but like him basically bombing, you know, not dressing appropriately for his first interview to be an assistant coach for the Bulls, um, to then like him kind of taking on the management role where he first meets Dennis at Jerry Krause's house, and he's like, all right, Dennis, you know, stand up, let's shake hands, you know. He just to see his progression kind of from where he starts to where he was at when meeting Dennis to then like also be able to immediately acknowledge and see Dennis and like know how to handle him and kind of be the perfect coach with that team and everything to be able to like manage that guy um, with, you know, so many other people had sort of fallen short of being able to do that with him. Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool. I don't know. I'm unexpected. I didn't know that. I really, I was a you know. You hear when you think of the Bulls, you think of MJ, you think of Pippen, you think of Phil, and you think of the triangle. But you don't really think about the relationships that he had with everyone. And so, uh, the fact that. Um, MJ was ultimately kind of pissed off about the Doug Collins firing and that Phil was becoming the head coach. That was new to me. And then, yeah, you know, they clearly worked that out and it ended up being a great thing for MJ's career. But, um, it's just incredible at, at what he, he was able to do with that roster. And we haven't talked about Jerry Krause yet. And he, um, by and large, gets just completely shit on this entire. <laughs> yeah, thing. I wonder. I think that's gonna change though a little because it just there's been so much that's come out even after he, he passed away. Um, Grant is like Michael Jordan's producing this, but like to this point, I will say if you've watched the Dream Team documentary, some of the stuff they talked about with Jerry Krause and that between Pippen and Jordan, I think was like worse than like some of the comments they've shown in here but it is wild to see like before games just like just the outward disrespectfulness that they did show towards him um and i don't think all of it was like undeserved but like i do think he does need to get like some sort of his credit with you know managing and art the art being the architect of the 90s bulls teams yeah, and and that's what I was gonna say is that I'm not saying that the guy um, wasn't insane for ultimately how this call came to an end for Chicago, but 
the moves to to bring Scotty in and for him ulti- ultimately to develop the way that he did to get Rodman. Um, obviously, um, the really ballsy move to to promote Phil to be head coach and that really working out. Those are moves that he helped facilitate. Yeah. How much credit he deserves? Meh, I don't know. But yeah, he he just doesn't deserve to get completely shit on. He won six championships. That's yeah. Pretty good. I I want to wait to kind of see how the rest of the documentary plays out and like really save the some of the Jerry Krause stuff I've like wanted to touch on for just to see what they actually show and go through. Um, he's a super definitely super complicated figure like even in chicago sports and like views of him um even the fact that you know despite the fact he did was the reason you know uh, part of the reason that we did receive you know get six championships out of it um you know i I did want to sort of and you did you know bring it up and it's like the doug collins to phil thing um but just like how they, they tied some of that into with, um, you know, Jordan's rise and then ultimately going up against the Pistons portion of it. Um, I was really interested to just kind of, that was one of the, the things going into this I was looking forward to most was seeing just like current MJ. And like, that's the thing with a lot of this is like a lot of this we've heard secondhand or whatever, but like hearing him talk a lot about this stuff, like firsthand and now it being, you know, 30 plus years removed from some of this and him to talk about it in like what I imagine in a similar vitriol that he had, you know, maybe it's a little bit simmer down, but it doesn't seem that tempered. You know, even when you look at MJ's hall of fame speech, like he still has those feelings about a lot of people, um, and, you know, why it made him so great. But, um, the thing I've really liked that they've done in this documentary, they've done it in a few sections is, the move of where they're like they've are because they've recorded so much footage of this but that they're taking and interviewing certain people and they're like oh here let me pass this to you and show you what um here's what michael said about dennis asking for vacation you know or they're showing mj the tablet of what isaiah said about not shaking their hand and like just like getting that into (laughs) those reactions and that stuff to it i think it's been incredible Oh, it's it has been really, really, really good. Yeah, I'm and glad I'm really that happy that ESPN I'm really is glad like done that. And I'm really glad that ESPN is um done like the uncensored, just that we get like the HBO versions of this. Oh, I, it's <laughs> it is um the stuff that they did with Isaiah Thomas and and with that like they've used it way more effectively in the last two episodes too. I hope that we see that more yeah. throughout. It's really smart. It's in like, yeah, they do the shot of they're showing like multiple people the same, you know, where they're handing all of them the clip to see it and getting kind of bits of everyone's reaction I thought is <laughs> phenomenal. Um and even more so I wish they would have shown Joe Exotic some clips of Carol some of what Carol Baskin was saying. Yeah, right. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, except he already probably seen them all. <laughs> yeah. They, um, yeah, so that's one thing I really liked. And it's also, like, all the cussing stuff. I just really makes me wish that we could talk to someone at the league office ultra about our, you know, uncensored Mike, you know, court version of League Pass. Um, whenever the NBA does return, to be able to get that. Which we might just get because there might not be any fans and we'll be able to hear. I was going to say, word. I, I think we. I hope we get we're getting that for free, but well, I'm just saying like I want to be able to always I've always wanted to like he, be able to hear like enhanced sound of like the all the shit talking that goes on in NBA courts, um, right? But um, yeah, I, like what did you think of the sort of like Rocky montage depiction they show though? So after Jordan does you know lose to the Pistons a few, um, you know running up against the Pistons constantly and then, you know, falling short. Um, you know, what did you think of, I guess, the, the portion of just, like, the dedicated training and doing all of that? Um, 
that they show in the in the doc and just like Jordan putting on 15 pounds of muscle in an off season. Well, Scotty and MJ were skinny as hell when they came in the league. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that does explain a lot. Um, it wasn't the first time that you hear that like, oh yeah, MJ kind of had to beef up a little bit to handle the Pistons, but I, I thought the... <laughs> I don't know how much I really, I don't know how much I really think that the time that they spent in the weight room directly contributed to them winning. It might just have to do with MJ and Pippen were very fresh to the league and it takes a little bit of of time to, to dethrone those types of teams. Yeah. Um, having said that, I, I don't think it didn't. I think it helped. I don't think it. it I think that. I mean, it definitely does help, and it's not. You do see it, like uh, you see the great players. Um, not everyone, but you see a lot of really great players in the NBA tweak how they treat their bodies to accommodate whatever situation they're in. Like the, mm. we've talked about a LeBron already, but like LeBron went to South Beach knowing that he had to be that he was going to be switching the he was going to be switching kind of the playmaking with D Wade that he was going to be playing in the post a little bit more he he was huge Are you talking about when Ma- LeBron was in Miami he was like 285 Yeah yeah I mean he's yeah. huge massive and and he is much much skinnier than than that now with the Lakers because he's got he's playing with oh, Anthony Davis it. at the four and and he's you know he's literally like he dropped 20... it with the Cavs yeah and oh and I I get that but like he he and many other players just like you you do kind of have to adjust what you're doing given the circumstances yeah um and I mean I thought it was cool I I don't know like well. I wish we would have – it actually – I wish we almost would have gotten a little bit more of an explanation as to what was going on because you get like a literally one second, one one snippet with his uh, personal trainer where he's like, yeah, we got five pounds until we Whoa. were at 215. And it was like, well, five pounds, like what were you doing? Like how were you training for this? Whoa. And then they go into that – and I know – I'm sorry. I'm not trying to cut you off. But, and then they, they, they touch on that it's really difficult to put on muscle when you're constantly playing pickup or during the season when you're constantly playing games. But then they don't really touch on like – so were you just doing weight training all off season and you just didn't play any pickup? Like it, I wish we would have gotten more explanation if anything. I mean I don't think they knew. I think they – I, I think if anything, like the reason they expand on it is because like you would realize just like how I mean, comparing anything they were doing then because it really wasn't a part of these teams' regiment. I mean, like there weren't these like enhanced like tra- the science and just like preciseness of everything they do now. And especially the thing with Bron is like the perfect person to bring up with this because he is the complete you know farthest like anytime you've heard LeBron talk about. He's all, I mean, like, do you invest a million dollars in his body, he's said, you know, every year to, like, stay in the shape of everything. But, like, anytime you listen to him, too, like, he has different, you know, ways he's managing his body throughout the season. Like, he's got different, like, checkpoints. And they were talking about even, like, him coming back with this, you know, his body reacting right now to, like, not playing and that impact of it. Um but I think, like, you know, for Jordan and them doing that in that point, like, it's kind of the first time really that happened. Like, I just, the science at the time and, and the night was just, like, would look like cavemen, you know, etching, you know, into stone, you know, compared to this, the science and technology, everything behind it today. Um, it just, it wasn't there. So I think, like, you're asking questions that, like, if you had asked them then, we're like, I don't know, we're just doing this. And, like, He's getting bigger. <laughs> like, we're lifting weights, he's running, he's doing this, and, like, he's going on the scale, and he's getting, you know, more muscle. It just 
goes back to if you if you get MJ coming out and like twenty years later, thirty years later, what does his career look like? And, yeah. I mean, he probably could have averaged like forty a game, honestly. Oh yeah, I I think yeah he um there's a lot with it, but like I mean even um yeah it's something, but like I did um kind of going back to the Pistons, I mean like so when they do show that and like Isaiah's explanation and everything, I mean Isaiah's had said that a couple times explanation about not shaking hands. Yeah, I mean they've said that. That's kind of been the at least everything I've you know even from the Pistons documentary and stuff. I mean like, but I mean at the same point like, I do really like I I don't know um, if how you could do it, but it would just be fantastic to have seen um, you know the weight training for. But like people were like. Imagine if LeBron James had come to the league. I wish he could have come in when Jordan did, because I would have loved to seen LeBron James uh, truck stick Bill Ambeer. They're like, oh, he it would have been embarrassing. Bill Ambeer is like one of the biggest bastards ever. I mean, I, he embraces it every which way I know, but like, yeah, that guy's a sob. <laughs> well. So I never even I'm watched the play. <laughs> I'm glad we're touching on this quick at the end here because uh, I, okay, Isaiah, his whole argument about not shaking hands is, well, look at the Celtics. They didn't shake hands. And what the, the Celtics that, did was fucking Bush League. I'm not, and I'm not arguing that it's not. It yeah. was. And especially when they, you know, they didn't show the entire unedited clip of what happened at the end of that game so who knows but it certainly appears as though the celtics essentially did the exact same thing as the pistons did minus, no, they did worse i will say minus, that minus mikhail who you know forcefully well, gave some dap to isaiah thomas at the end of that game well because the game was still going on so even the, the pistons did the same thing they but like the the issue that the Pistons did is like so the the Celtics are like walking on the court but they're walking away, but like the 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 part about the Pistons is they're literally walk they have to walk across the Bulls bench like they're walking in front of the Bulls bench and did that um, the as the game's gonna, ending. The other thing I was going to point out though is that okay so good point the game there's like eight seconds left there's seven seven point six seconds left whatever it is. But the other thing, um, the Bulls are not the Celtics. You right. beat the Bulls the last two years, and it they showed respect at the end of the game. And like I, I generally think of shit like that as being less important. Um, like I think sports sportsmanship means something to me, but some things I just think are like corny and dumb. Yeah. Like. I do think that if you get bested professionally in a very important series and essentially the best player in basketball shows you respect at the end of this at the end of that series twice and then you get that handed back to you and you walk off the court that's not cool. Like I yeah. don't think it's cool. I understand where MJ's coming from and I'm not nearly as fiercely competitive as that guy is. So well, <laughs> the fact that that ultimately led to Isaiah getting left off the dream team and a lot of other stuff, yeah. it's not surprising to me. No, and I think it's it's really gets to the point of like I I will, like Jordan never said like I mean he did not like you know whatever, but he respected the hell out of the Pistons, and like when they lost, yeah, I mean his beef with it, and he said you know it's like. When we lost, and I shook their hand, I showed them, you know, it wasn't, this wasn't a you-me thing, you know, just because that happened to you, and, like, I mean, I think the Pistons just in general just brought that out of teams in that era, but, like, you know, the prior to that and stuff, it was, like, I mean, the Bulls didn't show that sort of disrespect to them, or, like, you know, I don't like him and all that, but it wasn't, like, you know, they still took their punches and everything. It was just like, a, you know, 
you're good. I did like, you know, respect you, whatever, you know, and just the fact that they were so much like, yeah, we're above, we're not going to give you that satisfaction. Um, seen, especially after they swept them too. I mean, it's like, you know, it wasn't even like it was close. I mean, you guys just, you weren't the better team. Like give us our acknowledgement and go on. Well, PJ, I'm excited for the next three weeks, man. There's a lot. I mean, there's even, I mean, you know, it's funny. Like, yeah, uh, in the Rodman stuff here as like to kind of close out, but like, you know, where we began, you mentioned like your first Bulls game. Like there's a clip, you know, where Pippen's out and it's like funny because I didn't realize at the time what I didn't know he was like, you know, I knew he was hurt, but that's, you know, something that I did kind of learn was that, he had chosen to delay the surgery and like was kind of holding out and the trade you know demands and all that. You know, when I was growing up, I wasn't really privy to it, but like my first Bulls game was so they show like kind of the Rodman Jordan montage. But there's the first Bulls game I went to was um, the Bulls Knicks game. They show like a quick clip of like Rodman and I think Jordan became like the went third all time. That was like. It's like seven rows behind the Bulls bench. Like my grandma won some like church lottery thing. Um, so like seeing that, I was like, oh yeah. And like Chris Childs got kicked out of the game. He <laughs> threw a ball at MJ. Um, and like, I mean, so pretty much for me, like just even seeing that quick thing, I was like, oh, you know, this is just like, you know, just that little like five seconds in there. And it was like, they did show that game. Um, you know, more or less, I was like, yeah, you know, at that starting point, I was like, yep, it was pretty much game over for me after that, like, been hooked on ever since, so, like, that that even little bit, even though I'm not, obviously, in the dock, but, like, being like, okay, there's the game, like, that was just a cool little experience for me watching it uh, the other, the other night. Yeah, dude, it's, um... I'm just I can't I I just can't. There's so much, man. So express how how excited I am for for the next for the next couple of weeks for the next three weeks. Yeah. Um, and it, I don't I haven't seen anything on how much it's been viewed yet, but I want to know. Yeah. It's gotta be. It's gotta be taking the world by storm. It's. I mean, they seems, said for the. They said for the first two, I think it was like seven million, or it was like, or it was six million for the. Let's see here. I can I can find this quickly. Because I think it broke like seven million in the first week for like the first episode, and it was like just under. Okay, here we go. So first episode received six point three million viewers. Episode two received five point seven, almost five point eight million. Episode three was six point one four million, and then episode four was five point six five million. Um, so the second episode is getting a little drop off. People getting a little tired, but like they're drawing six million people to this thing on Sunday night. It's insane. I love it. Well, PJ, we got. I'm excited to talk about this. More. We got more. We got a couple. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be back. We'll probably just end up. I feel like as this stuff comes up, you know, these next couple of weeks. But like, there's other stuff in here we didn't get talked about yet. We'll just bring it all up. It'll just be a '90s Bulls appreciation, Bulls fest, good old days for the next few weeks. So, stay tuned, everyone. Um, we appreciate you listening to this episode here, um, and you know, you'll find us everywhere on the normal social media, at Foolish Killer. At, I think I'm going to try to live tweet maybe next week. Uh, I haven't decided yet um, for the game for the viewing of the the last dance. But um, until next time, Ultra. I'm excited, baby. Go Bulls. Go Bulls.